And this morning we're going to look, be looking at verses uh, 24 through 28. Acts 18, 24 through 28. I'm going to have you stand one more time in honor of the reading of God's Word. I know you've been up and down and up and down. If you're, if you're able, if you're able, stand one more time in honor of reading of God's Word. Acts 18, verse 24 says this, Now a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. He was an eloquent man, competent in the Scriptures. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord. And being fervent in spirit, he spoke and taught accurately the things concerning Jesus, though he knew only the baptism of John. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue, but when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him and explained to him the way of God more accurately. And when he wished to cross to Achaia, the brothers encouraged him and wrote to the disciples to welcome him. When he arrived, he greatly helped those who through grace had believed. For he powerfully refuted the Jews in public, showing by the scriptures that the Christ was Jesus. Let's pray one more time. Spirit of God, we ask that you would come and do in our midst this morning what only you can do. We are weak. I am weak. We need you. We come and gather this morning with hearts and minds that are just full and busy and distracted and distractible. Father, you know that in our community, this is a very busy time of year. Uh, I know many of my brothers and sisters are tired. Uh, many of them are very busy, and they've made a choice, the wise choice to come and to be in your house this morning and worship you. So, Father, I pray that you would reward them with eyes that can see, ears that can hear, hearts that can feel, uh, motives that want to go from here and be more like Jesus and serve you. Spirit of God, please come and work in our midst this morning. We pray these things in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, amen. You can be seated. Thank you. Have you ever gotten one of those boxes you buy? Uh, you buy a new piece of furniture or a new something at Target. Or if you've gone to, I've never been to an, an Ikea, but I've heard like this is like big time at Ikea. And you buy you know, like a, a cabinet or a couch or a bookcase that's huge. And you, when you get it, it's in a box that's about this big, right? And it's like four bookcases, but they packed it in a box like this. And on the outside of the box are these dreaded words, some assembly required, right? You've done this before? Some assembly required means all Saturday. That's what those words actually being interpreted from the Greek to modern English, it actually means you need all Saturday and all of your sanctification. All of your sanctification. You're going to say words that you don't normally say around your children because you're going to do like I do and think, I don't really need the instructions. Anybody can figure this out, right? And you get nine-tenths of the way done and you realize that step number two in the instructions was absolutely essential in order to build the thing properly, right? You did the 38 steps, but you can't do step 39 to complete it because step two was wrong. 
and you got the thing backwards and like it won't, it will not go together. Right? You, I, I, recently, I recently put one of these together and I have finally learned that it takes both the person and the instructions in order to get the work done. In order to get the thing done, it takes the person to do it. I, I can hear you. I can feel you smirking. Like, Jeremy, really? You can do that? I mean, it takes me a long time, and I have to follow the instructions very carefully. Those of you who know me know I am not mechanical or capable in very many areas at all. But I did it. But you can't put it together without the manual, and the manual can't put it together without the person, right? That's kind of obvious. So I didn't, I didn't take all the parts out of the box and spread them on the ground and then take the instruction manual and throw it at the parts, expecting that that was going to somehow put the thing together. It, takes, it took both the person and the instruction manual. And what we're going to see here this morning is this, that God is doing a thing. God's building not a bookshelf, not a piece of furniture. God's building a kingdom. God's building a kingdom, and he's using people and the Word of God, or in my illustration, for the sake of my illustration, the instruction manual. God is using both people and the instruction manual, and God has chosen to use both in order to get His project accomplished, and He doesn't use one without the other, right? So you can't go, you can't just go slinging Bibles at people, and and you can't just go without the Word of God. It necessitates both people and the Scriptures in order for God to get His work done. And we see that here this morning in this passage where there are several characters named this morning, and we're actually going to look at everybody. We see that Apollos is named here, and we see that Priscilla and Aquila are named here, and of course Jesus Christ is named here. We're going to talk about Him, obviously, as well. He's the main point of what we're doing here together this morning. My main point is this, that God uses people who know the word to advance his kingdom. God, and with the, our illustration, God uses people in his instruction manual to build his project. God uses people who know the word to advance his kingdom. Now, I just spent 45 minutes in Sunday school explaining why you should come to Sunday school. Some of you weren't here for that. I'll let you off the hook this week. Next week, I expect to see you in Sunday school. It is recorded. It is on our Facebook page. You can go and, and watch that. Number one, here's my, main po- or my first point this morning. First of all, God will use people to advance his kingdom. That's a really generic statement. I realize we're going to flesh that out here a little bit. God will use people to advance his kingdom. And we start this morning with a really cool character that many of you are already familiar with. Many of you already have heard of this guy named Apollos, and you even know how the Bible describes Apollos. I have known several of my friends who have named their son Apollos after this guy right here in Scripture. Now, for some of you, it might be the first time you've ever heard of this dude named Apollos, but let's learn a little bit about Apollos. It says that Apollos is a native of Alexandria. Does anybody know where Alexandria is? What country is Alexandria in? It's in, it's in Egypt. Did you know that? Yeah. I've actually been to Alexandria. I spent a week in Alexandria. Um, uh, and Alexandria is a super cool city. It's not probably like it was when Apollos was there, uh, but it was cool to stand on the beach of the Mediterranean and think, well, Apollos would have at least stood somewhere near here and looked at this same body of water a long time ago. 
Alexandria during this time, Alexandria was one of the, the most um, advanced cities of its day. And Alexandria was considered one of the most learned cities of the day. It was, it was a place where the smart people went to get smarter, right? Um, uh, it would be like someone walking in here this morning and they said, I graduated from Harvard or I graduated from Princeton. And we would go, we would all go, whether we knew what they graduated with, what they studied, we would immediately think, oh, okay, like this person is from a place that is known for being very knowledgeable. That's Alexandria, and that is um, Apollo. So Apollo shows up in Corinth, and he, as someone asks for his, you know, his uh, background, he says, well, I'm actually from Alexandria. And immediately, without any doubt or question, people would have immediately thought, oh, this guy's from Princeton. This guy's from Harvard. This guy knows some stuff. He's from Alexandria, a beautiful city there on the Mediterranean. And it goes on to say that he is a man who is eloquent and competent. He's an eloquent man and a competent man. Last night I was talking with my kids. I, I try on Sunday evenings to go to just read through and talk through the passage of Scripture that we're going to preach on Sunday morning with my family uh, on Saturday night around the dinner table, which you can do because when you, when I, uh, when you get the email, the church email, it has the passage of Scripture that we're going to be studying um, in that email. What often happens on Saturday night as I'm discussing the sermon with my kids is I realize I'm not ready to preach. <laughs> I'm, um, they're not getting this, and it's not because they don't have the capacity to understand. This is not clear enough yet. So often that's what happens on Sunday night and, or Saturday night. So I was, I was describing them, I, you know, what does the word eloquent mean? And several of them didn't know what the, the word eloquent mean, meant. And I don't know what the word eloquent means, but it says that he was eloquent. So we know that, that he was eloquent. I'm, I'm just kidding. I, I do know what it means, right? Eloquent means that you are very capable, that you're very articulate. He was a man who was good with his words. When Apollo stood up, to talk to people, people wanted to listen. His podcast got lots of um, written reviews, but subscriptions, right? People subscribed. His YouTube channel would have had a lot of people who were subscribing and watching. He was the guy that you wanted to listen to. He was, he was eloquent. He was eloquent. He was a man who, who people liked to listen to. He was competent in the Scriptures, and we're going to talk more about that here in actually in just a minute, so let's kind of push pause on competent. It says in verse 25 that he was a man who had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and we're actually going to talk about that more in just a minute as well. But here is this powerful man. He's eloquent. He's competent. He's instructed in the Scriptures, and look what happens here in verse 26. In verse 26, it says this, He began to speak boldly in the synagogue there at Corinth, but when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him aside, excuse me, they took him and explained to him the way of God more accurately. Here is a man who is eloquent, competent, well-instructed, standing in the synagogue, teaching people the way of the Lord, and a husband and wife who are tent makers come to him after his sermon and say, listen, bub. They probably didn't say bub. I don't think he, bub was in Hebrew. Can we, can we visit with you a little bit? We have, we have some things that we'd like to, to share with you. 
I, I can imagine, this isn't stated for us clearly in the Scripture, I can imagine Priscilla and Aquila having him over to their home, preparing a meal for him, right? We all, men especially, we receive criticism better if we're not hangry. I can imagine Priscilla and Aquila sitting down with this man, Apollos, and explaining some things to him. And one of the things that I think God wants us to see about Apollos himself, about Apollos, is that he was humble and teachable. Look how he responds to the instruction of Priscilla and Aquila. So here is a man who's eloquent, competent, instructed, teachable, humble. He's helpful. He's desiring and he's looking for ways to be helpful, right? Verse 27, he wished to go across to Achaia. Why why did he want to go there? Well, because he wanted to go and help the believers that were there in Achaia and and to refute those who were teaching the wrong thing there in Achaia. He's helpful. It says that he does these things. Verse 28, he powerfully refuted the Jews in public. Here is a man who is eloquent, competent, instructed. He's he's a learned man. He's a humble man. He's a helpful man. He's a powerful man. And you and I might look at Apollos and go, man, it must be nice to be Apollos because I am not Apollos. I barely made it through high school. Not real good at talking to people. Um, you know, uh, I, I, I'm, nobody would ever describe anything that I do as powerful or helpful. But brothers and sisters, while these things are true about Apollos, first of all, it doesn't mean that he didn't have his own weaknesses, right? We have already looked at the powerful Apostle Paul last week who describes himself as coming to the people there in Corinth and in Ephesus with, with, or at Corinth with fear and much weakness and trembling, Apollos was a real man, but here we see clearly that Apollos is a man who is strengthened and empowered by God. Look in verse 25. It says that he being fervent in spirit, and some of your Bibles might have a little uh, um, note there uh, or a number next to the word spirit, and you can go down there and read in the footnotes, or in the spirit, the spirit, the Holy Spirit of God is strengthening and empowering Apollos to be the man that God has made him to be. And brothers and sisters, each of you have gifts and abilities, ways in which God has, through His Spirit, empowered you. Apollos is a man who's fervent in these ways because the Spirit of God has made him fervent in these ways. And I promise you that there are other people in this room who look at you and think, man, I wish I could do, I wish I could do what Dustin does. I wish I could be like Mark in this area. I wish I could be like Jerry in this area. I wish, right, like I wish I had these I wish I was more like him. Brothers and sisters, God has strengthened and empowered us by his spirit. We can go to lots of other passages of scriptures and talk about the empowering gifting of the spirit. God, by his spirit, is the one who empowers us. And yet these descriptions that, uh, that, that uh, Paul records for us, or excuse me, that Luke records for us here in the book of Acts about Apollos, these descriptions are things that we as followers of Christ can and should desire and seek after. See, to be competent and instructed and humble and mighty in the scriptures are actually all things that you, by the power of God, can and should pursue. Brothers and sisters, imagine a church full of people who are Eloquent and competent in the Scriptures. I love that phrase, competent in the Scriptures. Some of your translations might even use the phrase mighty in the Scriptures. Does anybody buy anyone's Bible say mighty in the Scriptures? 
somewhere. Okay, a few of you, your Bible say mighty. I like that. Because it doesn't mean that he was somehow some kind of physical strong man who was able to lift a lot of weight, right? He could beat up other people. It's not like, you know, some kind of warrior king. Maybe Apollos was, but we're, he's definitely not described that way in this passage. It's saying that he's a mighty man in a specific area. And I believe it's an area in which our men and women and young people in this church can and should be mighty today. Mighty in the scriptures. He's an eloquent man. He, the way he uses his words um, make people want to listen to him. Let's, let's, let's just kind of think through some of these character traits that um, Apollos had and just evaluate ourselves here a little bit. When, when we look at eloquent, we might think, man, this is, this is the guy who's on YouTube and everyone's listening to. But brothers and sisters, you can and should be appropriately good with your words to the best of your ability. You may not teach thousands of people in a, in a public setting. I don't teach thousands of people in a public setting. But when you speak to other people, do your words minister grace to the hearers? Right? The pastoral epistles teach us that, that our words have to minister grace to other people. Or are you the kind of person that often your verbal interactions with other people end in a meltdown? Right, where like you're you're discussing something with your wife, and like she just like often gets exasperated with you and leaves the room. That might not be your wife's fault. It might be that that your words are not ministering grace to the hearer. Seems like some people can't communicate without offending people. Right, and you say things like, "Well, I just call it like I see it." Uh, that's probably an excuse for you being a poor communicator. Right. If you have to regularly say to people, now, don't take this the wrong way. And then they take it the wrong way. Do you know whose fault that is? It's, that's yours. Right. I, I've, I've probably said this in here before. If I haven't, I hope I, I you know, I hope you remember it. I, I say I do say this to people often. You should never say the phrase, don't take this the wrong way. Because what you're getting ready to do is say something really insensitive and unkind. Right, you should never say not not no no don't take this the wrong way. But your breath really stinks, right? Or whatever whatever the thing is, it's your response. Now it doesn't mean that we don't sometimes say really hard and direct things to people. There are times where someone needs to be told that their breath stinks. You can figure out how to do that. I, you know that's on you. But seriously, um, it, it is it is your responsibility as the communicator to communicate with grace and truth. And so, so you need to take on the responsibility of not communicating in a way that is offensive. You don't communicate in the wrong way. There may be times where you end a conversation with someone and they are hurt by the words because they're true and they, need to, they needed to be said and they need to be heard. But my dad taught me a definition of, uh, of um, oh shoot, the, the definition was making a point without making an enemy. I can't remember what, what uh, word he was using to describe that. Not, it wasn't winsomeness, but um, you need to learn how to make a point to someone without making an enemy of that person. Tact. That's it. Tactfulness. Tact is making a point without making an enemy. And we can imagine that Apollos was the kind of person that as he's speaking the word of God to people, he's doing it in a way that they're, that they're listening to what it is that he's communicating and not distracted by his poor communication. 
These are areas that we can grow in and learn in. It says that he is, it, it shows, it, it demonstrates very clearly that he is a humble man. How do you, how do you respond to someone who corrects you? How, how do you, res- now none of us like correction. Nobody likes being corrected. Nobody likes being told that they're wrong and that they need to do better in a certain way. But how do you respond to correction? S- some people just can't be taught, Right? Their, their spouse is just, I'm, I'm done with you. I'm done trying to speak into their life. The only friends that they have are weak people who can't tell them anything. Their kids and their families steer clear of them, right? Because they just can't be taught anything by anyone. Are you the kind of person that actually, or are you the kind of person who actually expects that I probably don't have everything right and I need some help? I need some instruction. Apollos' wisdom is actually put on display by the fact that he's willing to receive correction from someone else. That he's willing to be instructed by tent makers, right, like blue-collar people. Here he is, an academic. He's being instructed by blue-collar people. And friends, look, he's being instructed by a woman. Gasp. Right? In, in, the, in the times of the Bible, that would have been even, even more um, profound than it is for us here today. And we're going we're gonna to talk about Priscilla a little bit more here in just a second. God, fill our churches with Priscilla's. Anyway, Apollos is a man here that we see who is, he is both, he is bold and he is humble. And, and so he is, he is able to be taught. He, he's a man who's helpful. He's looking for ways to go about doing, doing good uh, there in, in Corinth um, and Ephesus and in um, where he's going there in Achaia. He's a powerful man. And so Apollos is a man who has worked hard to get good at what he's doing. But like we mentioned a minute ago, it's not just Apollos working on his own by himself. Remember my bookshelf illustration. I'm setting up the bookshelf. And if I have no instructions and no help from outside of me, I'm going to be really limited. I might someday, like weeks later, be able to figure out how to do this thing. But it takes both a person and the power of the Word of God, the power of the Scriptures. So there's Apollos' part. And there's God's part where God is making him a man by the Spirit of God who is fervent and capable and powerful. So first of all, the main first point here is this, that God will use people to advance his kingdom. And we see that God uses Apollos, but, but Apollos isn't the only one who's being used by God um, here in this passage. We also see this other couple who we talked about a few weeks ago um, in, ch- in, verse, in chapter 18. We see that God's also using this couple named Priscilla and Aquila. And I love the, the quick little scene that we get of this woman, Priscilla, and her husband, Aquila, as they're listening to Apollos in the synagogue, and they took him and explained to him the way of God more accurately. I'm thankful that at Liberty Baptist Church, there are some Aquilas who have taken me aside and shared the Word of God and shared things with me that I needed to know that I didn't know and help correct me in my pastoral ministry. Those of you men who are the Aquilas in my life, you know who you are. Thank you. And I'm also thankful 
for the Priscilla's at Liberty Baptist Church who have come into my office or had me into their home or visited with me in a hallway or visited with me before or after church who have helped me personally become someone who's more capable and more competent in the scriptures. Brothers and sisters, the Bible does clearly prohibit a woman from serving as a pastor. Right? We've, we've walked through those passages before. It has nothing to do with a woman's competency. It has nothing to do with a woman's abilities. It is simply God's order of creation. He, from the book of Genesis all the way through the book of Revelation, it is clear that God has roles and responsibilities. God has made the husband the leader of the home, and God has made men to be the pastors in a church. But apart from being a pastor in a church, do you know what a woman can do in a church? Everything. Everything. And do you know what men need? Women to help disciple them. Priscilla and Aquila pull Paul, uh, Apollos aside, and they're explaining to him. It doesn't say that Aquila pulled him. Or it was just Aquila speaking into his life. And brothers and sisters, I'll, I'll be very open and honest and direct with you. Some of the most profound spiritual things I've learned have been from different women in my life who have spoken the word of God to me. My mother, my mother-in-law, a handful of you women in this room and women in other churches throughout my Christian growth experience have sat me down and said, listen, I think you need to consider something. Would you pray about this? I want to point out something to you. We need men and women in our lives who are helping disciple us. Apollos, this eloquent, mighty, powerful man in the Scripture, is sitting probably in the home of Aquila and Priscilla, and he's learning the way of God more accurately. I've had people, both men and women, who have spoken the word of God to me and tried to instruct me in areas. And my initial, my first reaction is this. Not on the outside, because I'm really good at being good on the outside. Right? I grew up in strict, conservative, fundamental Christianity. I am good at looking good on the outside. But on the inside, right? I'm thinking, here's what I think. Who are you? to tell me how to know the Word of God. That's what I'm thinking on the inside. Thankfully, often the Holy Spirit comes around and thumps me on the head and says, dude, what they said is exactly right, and you do need to hear it, and you were wrong. And that person who you think doesn't know as much about God and doesn't know the scriptures as much about you and doesn't live the morally excellent life that you live, they're right, and I sent them to you to speak the truth of God into your life. Brothers and sisters, we, we need to be ready and assume that that's going to happen. Priscilla and Aquila are good old tent makers. And the, here's, the, here's the other beautiful thing that we can learn about Priscilla and Aquila. Our, church, our churches are full of tent makers, right? Farmers and ranchers and doctors and lawyers and nurses and school teachers and office workers and dairy people and, right? Like, that's who we are. That's who you are. You're, you're the Priscilla's and the Aquila's. And, and look who's teaching whom. You can be mighty and competent in the scriptures, and you must be. You must be. 
God uses people. And then secondly, God must use, excuse me, uh, my first point was that uh, God uses people to advance his kingdom. Point number two is this, people must use scripture to advance his kingdom. So God uses people to advance his kingdom, and the people use the scripture to advance his kingdom, right? So God's using people to build the bookshelf. People have to use the instructions to build the bookshelf. Got it? God uses people, tent makers, and people use the instructions. People use the scripture to advance his kingdoms. I said earlier we were going to talk again about uh, um, Apollos' competency in the scripture and his learning in the scripture. So it says that that Paul, that uh, Apollos was competent. Let me ask you this: Are you competent in the scripture? Like, do you, do you know the word of God? Do you know the word of God like you know baseball stats from the Rangers over the last ten years? Are are you competent in the scriptures? Do you know the scriptures the way you know different gun calibers, and the way that you know? Uh, 243 is different from a 22250 that's different from a 223 that's different from a right or or do you know guns better than you know the word of god do you know rangers stats better than the word of god do you know the flora and fauna of the panhandle better than you are you there's other there's areas that we're all competent in right I mean, like, if I want to know farming, I know who to go in here to ask. If I want to know how to work on my car, I know who to ask. If I want to know about gun calibers, I know who to ask in this room, right? We're competent in different areas, but brothers and sisters, God actually wants us to be competent in the Scriptures. We talked about it this morning in Sunday school. 1 Peter 3.15 talks about how that we need to be ready to give an answer to the hope that lies within us to those who would come and, and see the hope that lies within us and say, like, well, what is it with you? Well, you need to be ready You need to be prepared to give that answer. You need to be competent to give that answer. What that means is this, that you should be able to open a Bible and go to a Bible verse to give reasons for why you're a Christian, to give reasons for why you believe about what you believe, about human sexuality, about right-to-life issues, about whatever the issue of the day might be. It means you actually can take a Bible and go to a Bible verse. Kids, young adults, people who have been Christians for 50 years, could you list the Ten Commandments for me? Someone can. Can you name the 12 disciples? Can you tell me what the book of Numbers is about, or the book of Joel, or the book of Philemon? Could you open your Bible? Now, I'm not just talking about winging it off the top of your head, but could you open your Bible and turn to verses and explain the gospel to someone? Could you open your Bible and help your children know why why they are being so mean to their siblings? I'm not saying can you yell at your kid for yelling at their sibling. I'm saying can you use the Bible to show them what's in their heart and why they're doing that and use the Bible to help them grow? Could you open your Bible to confront someone who's considering a divorce? Could you open your Bible and comfort someone who's just gone through one? Brothers and sisters, none of the things that I've just named are complicated or challenging or hard. I think we've gotten used to being kind of lazy Christians. And the professional guy who spends his week in a study, 
he's going to come and tell us what we need to know. And the rest of the week, you know, we, we are going to be competent in other things. That's just not what the scriptures are calling upon God's people to be. Aquila and Priscilla, I'm talking to you this morning. Aquila and Priscilla, that, that, that's you. you. You need to be competent in the scriptures. You need to be able to listen to the radio. Some of you are so good at this. I'm not going to name names, but I could just I could parade a handful of you up in front of everybody. You listen to the radio preacher guy, and you're like, no, something, something's not right there. It's not right. And what happens is you think of a Bible verse, and you're like, no, that, what he's saying isn't right there because I know the Bible says this. You listen to a Christian song on the radio, and you go, no, that's not quite right. That's not quite right. Right? You watch something on the news and you think, no, that's not a biblical worldview. Just because it's on Fox News doesn't mean it's a biblical worldview. Brothers and sisters, we need to be competent in the Scriptures. Now, how did Apollos, how did uh, Priscilla and Aquila become competent in the Scriptures? Well, you remember that Priscilla and Aquila became competent in the Scriptures by hanging out with Paul earlier in chapter 18. But I love here in verse 25... It tells us, just, it just says, in verse 24, he was an eloquent man, competent in the Scriptures. In verse 25, just tells us exactly, and we talked about this in Sunday school, it tells us how he became that. Verse 25, he had been instructed in the way of the Lord. Now, those of you who are in Sunday school, you're going to get a repeat of an illustration, but I think it's worth repeating. If I wanted to learn chemistry, if I wanted to really learn chemistry, can't say that I want to, but if I wanted to really learn chemistry, I would not get together with a handful of, you know, people here in this room and say, all right, we're going to get a, t- a chemistry textbook and we're going to gather, we're going to gather on when, uh, we're going to gather on Sunday mornings at 930 and we're going to sit around and talk about how we feel about the chemistry textbook. That's pointless, right? If I want to learn chemistry, what am I going to do? I'm going to get a chemistry textbook and I'm going to read it. And then the other thing I'm going to do is I'm going to find someone who knows chemistry really well and I am going to have them do what? Instruct me and teach me and learn everything I can from them. And then I'm going to find somebody else. And during the week, right, in between meetings, right, so Jerry's teaching me about, do you know anything about chemistry? Okay, he knows more than I do. He says not much. And so Jerry and I are meeting weekly, and he's teaching me about chemistry. But in between, I'm going to be listening to chemistry podcasts. And I'm going to be going to chemistry websites. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to subscribe to Chemistry Today and Chemistry Are Us and, you know, all, all sorts of chemistry. And, I'm, and like, that's how I'm going to learn chemistry. I'm going to let other people who know chemistry instruct me in it. And you know what's going to happen after I do that for two or three or five or ten years? What happens? I become... Mighty in chemistry. And when people ask chemistry questions, I'm like, ooh, I can help you. I know. And then I become an instructor. And if I want my kids to learn chemistry, I know chemistry so I can teach my kids chemistry. Silly illustration, I know, but I think it helps us understand the point. We need to be mighty in the scriptures. We need to be mighty in the word of God. Dads, men, let me just smash on your toes and throw the mantle of responsibility in front of everybody, in front of your wives and kids. I'm just doing it. It's your responsibility to become mighty in the Scriptures and to see to it that your families are becoming mighty in the Scriptures. Our church 
grows as men grow. Women grow as men grow. Children grow as men grow. Usually the ones who are the most serious about their spiritual development and their competency in the Scriptures are the women. Come on, bros. That's not okay. Not okay. If you know me and my wife, you even know that even in a pastor's home, like my, my wife is mighty in the Scriptures. Brothers, let's take the mantle that God has put upon us to be mighty men in the Scripture and to lead to lead our families, to lead our churches, to lead our communities. That wasn't in my notes, so that either gets me fired or I was being obedient to the Holy Spirit, one of the two. Or, or both. I guess sometimes both happen simultaneously. No, I'm not worried. I know that there's agreement in here because it's from the Word of God. Um, so what are you going to do? Like I see a lot of heads shaking up, nodding up and down, saying, yeah, I know we need to be mighty. We need to be competent in the Scriptures. So what are you going to do about it? Are you going to watch more Netflix or sleep in, trolling Facebook? Those things actually don't help you become mighty in the Scriptures. But when there are places that instruction in the Word of God is happening, you, you can go and be there. It's why we have Sunday school. And again, I know some of you from, that were in Sunday school this morning, you're getting a repeat of a lot of what I said in Sunday school this morning, and that actually isn't an accident. The Holy Spirit lined up this passage for us here this morning. You, you need to be instructed. So, so does the Bible say you have to go to Sunday school? Yes or no? Nope. Bible does not say you have to go to Sunday school. Does the Bible say you have to go to men's Bible study or women's Bible study? Nope. Does the Bible say you have to become competent in the Scriptures? Yeah, I, I think we can make that argument pretty easily, pretty clearly, right? Be prepared to give an answer. Be instructed in the way of the Lord. Can that happen? Does that happen on Sunday morning during the preaching hour? Yeah. There's lots of other ways that that's happening as well. And I want to encourage you just to answer the question in your own heart and mind, why wouldn't I become competent in the Scriptures? Why wouldn't I go to Sunday school? Why wouldn't I become part of a men's or women's Bible study? Yes, Sunday school is an hour earlier than morning worship. It's still an hour and a half later than everything else you go to the rest of the week, right? You're there 7.30, 8 o'clock uh, for everything else you do. We're at 9.30, so you get to sleep in on Sundays. Men's Bible study, now that is early. That's 6 a.m. on Wednesday morning. That's just so that you can make it before you start your work day. Men, you need to be there, and you need to make sure that younger men are there. Ladies, older ladies, you need to be there, and you need to make sure that the younger ladies are there. I want the older man now. So I, th I threw the mantle on the responsibility of men, and I'm going to just I'm going to throw another mantle on the on the shoulders of older men, brothers. Did you know that Titus said that the older men are to be responsible for the instruction and the discipleship of the younger men? So if you're 50 or older in this church, you need to feel a, some responsibility for the younger men in this church. Because like, I'm not making any of this stuff up. Like, it's in the Bible. Ladies, again, I'm arbitrarily picking the number 50, right? So that either gets me in trouble or gets me off the hook. I'm not sure which, right? People that are 50 and older, look out for people that are 49 and younger. So there's this being competent in the Scriptures because, because they were learning 
the scriptures. He was being instructed in the way of the Lord. He had already been instructed in the way of the Lord. He is being instructed by Priscilla and Aquila. Now, the end of verse 25 talks about that, how that Apollos only knew the baptism of John. And those of you who are paying attention to the word of God and are students of the scripture, you are waiting for me to address this next Sunday. Next Sunday, we're going to talk about this, and we're going to talk about verses 1 through 10 in chapter 19, and we're going to talk about what is going on here with this baptism of John, and then, and then they didn't know about the baptism of the Spirit, and then they didn't know about the baptism of Christ, and so some of them are rebaptized, but we don't know if Apollos is rebaptized, and in what sense are they? We're going to talk about all that next week. I didn't have time to say everything this week, so I thought I'm just going to save a second, second sermon for next week. So thanks for noticing. We are going to get there, uh, and we're going to talk about that next week. So brothers and sisters, we, we should be people who are competent in the Scriptures and learning the Scriptures and bold with the Scriptures. And that, we know, is Spirit-given. You say, I'm just not a very bold person. Pray and ask the Spirit of God to make you bold with the Scriptures. And then look now in verse 25. It says, He taught accurately the things concerning Jesus. And then the end of verse 28, it says that He was showing by the Scriptures that the Christ was Jesus. This is the thing that God is doing. Apollos is not the hero in this passage. We've talked a lot about Apollos. We've talked a lot about Priscilla and Aquila. And if I ever preach a sermon in which you leave thinking that some human being is the example or some human being is the hero of the story, which I've probably done before, I have failed you in preaching that sermon. Because Jesus is the hero of every sermon. Jesus is the point of every sermon. Jesus is the reason Apollos is doing this. Jesus is the reason that Priscilla and Aquila are doing this. Jesus must be the reason that we would even desire competency in the Scripture. So that we can teach the community in which we live. So that we can teach our children to know and follow Jesus the Christ. That Jesus is the Messiah. So Apollos is standing up boldly in a place that doesn't accept the message that he's preaching, and he's refuting the Jews, the people that are saying the wrong things, right? So imagine the Jews being the CNN of the day, right? And, and he's refuting, and he's saying, no, 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 that's not true. Listen, the Christ that the Old Testament has promised, the Christ that the Old Testament has been pointing us toward all along, Jesus is him, is he. He is him. Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is the Christ. This is the gospel focus that Apollos is after. This is the gospel focus that Priscilla and Aquila are after. This must be the gospel focus that you and I are after. Remember I said that God uses people to advance his kingdom and that people use the word of God to advance Christ's kingdom. So what is this Christ's kingdom thing? This is the advancement of Jesus Christ as Lord in the lives of individuals. That's what we're doing. So we're either seeking to see people who don't know Christ as their Lord come into that kingdom, that's advancing Christ's kingdom, or we want to see the lordship of Christ growing in you as individuals. Right? It says that um, in verse... Uh, the end of verse 27, when he arrived, he greatly helped those who through grace had believed. So, so Apollos is doing two things. He's going to believers and he's helping them grow. And he's going to non-believers and he's explaining Christ to them. Now imagine a church full of Priscilla's and Aquila's, men and women, who are competent in the Scriptures. 
And when you're meeting with another Christian, you're able to help the grace of God grow in their life. And when you're meeting with a non-Christian, you're helping explain the kingdom of Christ to them. Right? So you, you, as you just are living life, <coughs> as you're just living life, you know this person doesn't know Christ. They need to have the gospel explained to them. This person doesn't know Christ, but they need to grow. So I'm competent in the scriptures in a way that helps, uh, that helps bring Jesus Christ to bear. This is the main thing. This is what God is after by using people and the word to advance his kingdom. Christ being made king. So we look at this passage and we see a wonderful example in Apollos. And we see wonderful examples and Priscilla, and Aquila. But we look to the hero of the passage, the greatest one in this passage. We look to Jesus Christ. Apollos is pointing people to truth. He's competent in the scriptures, and so he's pointing people to truth. Priscilla and Aquila see that there's some truth that Apollos is missing, and so they point him to greater truth. What they're all doing is pointing people to Jesus, who is the way the truth and the life. Brothers and sisters, as we grow in our competency of the scriptures, what we're doing is we're growing in our competency of the truth and we're growing in our competency of the knowledge of Jesus Christ. So desiring eloquence in the scripture is great. Desiring competency with the scriptures, desiring to be a mighty man or woman with the scriptures is a wonderful goal because that goal advances the kingdom of Jesus Christ in your own life and in the lives of others. And so, study the word. Become someone who is mighty in the scriptures. Know the word, both the written and living word. And share the word, both the written and living word. And may God make us a church full of Apollos's and Priscilla's and Aquila's who are, by God's grace and by the power of the Spirit, advancing the kingdom of Christ in our corners of the world in which God has put us. Let's take a second now and respond. So if you bow your heads and close your eyes, and that's a phrase that we use in church all the time, bow your heads and close your eyes. You don't have to if you don't want to, I guess. Uh, just pay attention. Let's stop and think for a second. Some of us in here realize, yes, I need to do that. And it might mean that there are certain things that you need to add to your life or cut away from your life in order to add from your life in order, in order for this to become the kind of Christian that you are um, pursuing, the, the growth in Christ that you know God would have for you. It's not being a legalist to say, I need to do more. I need to change. That's responding to the wonderful conviction of the Holy Spirit in your life. It's legalistic when you do it thinking that you're going to earn your way to heaven or earn favor with God by doing it. It's right when you say, yep, I see it. I see it in Scripture, and I need to become someone who is competent in the Scriptures. There is a war being waged against truth, against Christianity, against the Word of God, and you have been called to defend it. So if you need to repent 
of sin that has kept you from becoming competent in the Scriptures, or if you need to ask God for His help in becoming competent in the Scriptures, I'm going to give you a few moments right now just quietly for you to pray. Father, please use your word in our hearts and in our, not just our hearts, but our lives, our minds, our will, our action. God, I pray that you would grow us, that you would change us. Father, for the, for the inaccurate, wrong, foolish things that I may have said this morning, forgive me and please, please cause them not to be remembered. But, Father, for the things that are in accordance with the truth of your word, which you know is what has been my desire to preach this morning, God, I pray that you would drive them home. Father, please keep this from being like a pep rally that we all leave here, and for 30 minutes we feel fired up, or for maybe even a day or two or a week we feel fired up. God, I pray that we would, that your spirit would please drive this home, change us, um, so that we so that we will be people who both desire to know you and your son Christ through the scriptures and desire to become more competent in the scriptures. Priscilla's and Aquila's who know, who know your word and know when it's not being preached properly and know how to correct it. Father, would you please make Liberty Baptist a church that is full of people who are competent in the scriptures so that we can so that we can help those who have believed refute error in public and help others know that Jesus is the Christ. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to invite the music team to come up, and we're going to conclude with a final song. The song.